All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. Um, we are talking outfielders tonight, wrapping up our hitter positional previews. Ty Storms joined me earlier this week, but I got the usual suspects back with me to talk outfield. Uh, Shane, how you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm doing good. No problem. And Kyle, how about yourself? I'm excited. It's draft week for me, so really excited. Yeah, so the league that we reference um, in, in this podcast often, our draft is Sunday. Um, we're planning on doing, I'm letting you guys know now, we're planning on doing a draft recap podcast sometime next week where we'll talk about all the bad people that Shane and I got and how Kyle's going to win the league again. Um, so look for that next week. But tonight's tonight's topic of choice is outfield. But before we get into that, um, Kyle, you, did you have a chance to see what Goose Gossage had to say about baseball? Um, I did not. Okay. Well, he kind of went on a little bit of a rant, and I think it's um, specific for tonight because he started talking about Jose Bautista and Joanna Cespedes and how they're a disgrace to baseball because they have fun with the game. And it was uh, it was a pretty f bomb laden rant that he went on, but this dude's a clown. I, I like these young guys in baseball, so that's where I wanted to start with Shane. Any thoughts on it? Yeah, I actually didn't hear exactly what he said. I saw some headlines and stuff like that. Uh, usually, I'm a guy. I'm not a huge fan of when guys are showboating and and doing those kind of things. But I, I, I think Goose Gossage is a little little out of date here. <laughs> Uh, kind of a guy that hasn't really accust- grown accustomed to the uh, the way the new way of baseball uh, with some of these young guys and, that, their, and their antics. So, that Joey Bats bat flip like changed your life. That was. I mean, <laughs> just exactly. I mean, I'm usually not a fan of that. I'm not a big fan of that. But that was one of the best moments. <laughs> you had to you had to be watching the game to to understand what, what happened there. I mean, obviously it was an over the top bat flip, but it, it was just great great theater. And just the the moment, everything that led up to it, and I, I have no problem with guys kind of releasing that energy in, in a moment like that. I mean, if you're just doing it every time you hit a home run, and, and you're doing it to show somebody up, um, that's when I start having a problem with it. But I mean, the moment of that home run, how big it was in that game, in that series, for that team, I mean, it, it's hard not to get a little bit excited sometimes and, and have a little fun with it. Yeah, the other big topic, I guess, from today was that Sergio Romo told Bryce Harper that he just needs to shut up, um, which is another guy that I think, like, I just want to know why Sergio Romo is speaking um, to Bryce Harper. Um, speaking of Bryce Harper, him and Mike Trout, obviously the top two outfielders in baseball, probably the top two picks in most drafts. Um, I don't think we need to spend much time on those two guys tonight. They're great. They're the best two players in the league. Um, a lot of fun to watch, and... I can't wait to see the money that they're going to get as free agents. Um, so let's start in the third slot for outfielders. So my first question I want to pose to you guys is, let's put our prediction caps on here. And in October of this year, um, almost six months from now, who is going to be third in the outfield player, player rater behind Trout and Harper? Stein, why don't you lead off for us? 
you know, there's a few inter interesting names here uh, I, I felt we could go choose from. And the guy I'm going to choose, my reasoning was kind of because I didn't want to hear you two babbling on about him. Um, I'm actually probably the lowest on this guy, so it's interesting that I'm taking him and you guys aren't. But I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. Uh, what does it for me is, I mean, the, the power-speed combo that this guy can possibly display is what I think is going to bulk him up there in, into the top three. By no means do I think he's a Mike Trout. Uh, do I think he, he's going to be a Bryce Harper? But the fact that he, he could possibly be a 25-25 a guy, something like that, and, and hit around 300, um, obviously some eye-popping numbers there. The only concerns, I know I've spoke with both of you about this in the last week or so, you guys have been a lot higher on bets than I have. Um, my concern with him is he's not a big guy. So I don't really know that the power numbers are going to kind of show up the way that you guys, I feel, both think that they are. Uh, he's only 5'9". I mean, that, that's, that's not a huge frame to be working with as far as power. I, I think the speed is real. You're, you're going to count on those 25 stolen bases. But I feel like the home runs are going to sit more around the 15 level. And it's going to keep him from vaulting into that superstar tier. But I think he's a safe bet to be in the top 5, top 10 area, though. So I think he might be the safest bet out of all the guys that I looked at. That's why I went with him as uh, the guy that I think might be number three. Kyle, how do you feel about Mookie Betts? Um, I love him. Uh, someone that I drafted in that minor league system because um, I liked what he offered. I liked when he was second base eligible, but obviously that has changed. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, I can see the concerns with the frame, but the kid generates bat speed, and you know, he hits the ball hard. Shane alluded to the speed that he has around the bases. I think uh, I think he's definitely a safe bet, like Shane said, to be top five. And um, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah. So the thing that doesn't concern me about his power sticking is, I think a comp for his bat speed and hands is Gary Sheffield. He's got that quick, those quick hands, that torque. He's able. The pull side um, power is very strong. And playing in Fenway, in particular, um, I just feel like that part plays very well to his skill set. Um, so that's why I'm not really concerned about the power. And, I mean, the other great thing about him is he hits at the top of what's usually perennially a pretty good lineup. A lot of runs. Um, and even if the home runs aren't there, I expect him to maybe be a guy that could hit 40 doubles in a season. Um so I, I just I agree with you, Shane. He's almost as safe as it gets um, in terms of the second tier of outfielders behind Harper and Trout. What, what did you think of my Sheffield comp though for bat speed? I actually went right before you were saying that. I think I knew you were going to say Sheffield. It was kind of weird. I was sitting there. He's going to say Gary Sheffield. I, I can see some similarities there. Uh, I don't think he's quite. I mean, quite as Gary Sheffield was a pretty gifted player as far as his hands and bat speed I don't know if anyone really ever can match that but I mean I, I can see some similarities there I, I'm just a little concerned I mean eventually that, that size is going to catch up to you at some point in the power department you can only if you're 5'9 you can only develop so much power and I think I see a lot of people saying this guy could be a the next Mike Trout the next whatever 
power-wise, hitting 30, 35 home runs. And I don't know that that's ever going to develop. Um, but, I mean, if you can get 20, 20 home runs out of this guy and, and a 25 stolen base season, which I think is very, very likely this year, I mean, that could very well put him in the number three spot. Yeah, you got to be careful when you say the word next Mike Trout because that's just such a fantasy buzzword. Um, obviously, everybody would love to find the next Mike Trout, but there's a reason why there is only one Mike Trout. Um, so you got to be careful when you use superlatives like that and um, it may, finding maybe the next great fantasy player is a good, better term than Mike Trout. But All right, Kyle, who's third on the player rater for you in, in uh, late September, early October? Um, I'm actually going with a little bit of an older guy here. Bautista, um, and what you talked about with uh, Goose talking smack on him um, only makes my argument better, in my opinion. He's going to come out angry, um, and I imagine you know that that's going to gas him up to keep going. Uh, you know, one one thing I like about him um, is, is his patience at the plate. Uh, you know, last year he, he walked more than he struck out, and that's something you know you always like to see. Um, he's, he's that guy that has power and it's going to be there no matter what, uh, I'd imagine, you know, I'm expecting close to 40 bombs again, um, and, you know, high RBIs, high runs. I mean, how can he be up there with, with that lineup that he's in? So I think he's a safe bet for, you know, a top five outfielder based off of that. Um, and the protection he has, um, you know, maybe he'll, he'll get lucky and that average will pop up a little bit when he sees some good pitches. I think it's a contract year for Joey Bats too. Which that's that's always something you want to look at, I think, when it comes to fantasy players. So that might be a good call there. Um I think he was a little disappointing last year. I mean, maybe he was just a slow starter. I don't have his season long numbers in front of me, but well, well he hit two fifty last year, which okay. was the disappointing part. Uh down from two eighty six the year before. So the average dipped but the, the power numbers were still were still there, even a little better. Yeah, I mean, I like that Toronto's offense seemed to improve. Um, getting Tulo is huge. Donaldson Encarnacion, that's a murderer's row right there. So, um, yeah, I like Joey Bats as a, as a sleeper. You know, like you said, people are getting excited about Betts and Pollock and guys like that, and they're kind of forgetting about Joey Bats, who last year was a first-rounder in fantasy drafts. So I, I like that pick. Yeah, it's hard not to be a Batista fan in fantasy. Um, I think the one thing that, that kept me from – he was on my short list of names to consider, but I think the, the one thing that kept me from going all in on him as far as being my guy, he's getting up there in age a little bit. The age is a little concerned. Um, obviously, the average dipped a, a lot last year, so that's always concerning. You drop 35 points in batting average, it tends to show that maybe things are slowing down a little bit for you. But – I'm still a fan of Bautista. Gotta like him. Like you said, probably probably a top five guy at the end of the year. All right, my guy that I think is going to be third out of all the outfielders is Chris Davis with a C um, for Baltimore. Sneakily has outfield eligibility. You know, a lot of people kind of forget about that. They think of him as a first baseman. In most leagues, he has first base, third base, and outfield eligibility. So... Um, the reason I like Chris Davis, I feel like he's the safest bet of any American League player to, to lead that league in home runs. 
Um, he's done it two out of the last three seasons. And the year that he did in 2014, he hit 26 homers. But he hit 196 that year. And I don't have the exact number in front of me. But his BABIP that year was like absurdly low compared to his career long numbers. So the things I like about Chris Davis, um, obviously the power, the ability to drive in runs in an above average offense in um, Baltimore. And I like the multi-position eligibility. It doesn't really matter for the player rater, but that's, that's a bonus with him. And then the fact that obviously the strikeouts are absurd. He strikes out. Um, almost more than any player in the league. But on top of that, he's also a walker. He has um, great on-base skills. Um, He usually gains about between 50 and 80 points. Actually, last year he gained almost 100 points between batting average and on-base percentage. So um, he just fills up a lot of categories, and the categories that he does fill up are the ones that kind of help everything on-base percentage, home runs, RBIs, and runs scored. So I'm a big Chris Davis fan. He's not the safest, um, but I think his ceiling is as high as anyone's. Yeah, this was a tough – this was a good pick. Uh, I looked at Davis as well. I mean, just, just on the sheer amount of home runs that this guy can hit uh, keeps him up in that conversation. I mean, if he can keep that batting average anywhere above 250, I mean, there's no reason that he can't be even – even jump into the Harper Trout Trout territory as far as at the end of the year. So, Davis was a nice pick. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me about him is that that season you were talking about where he bat under 200. Um, I never want to see that in my uh, three-year average when I'm looking at guys. Um, a little concerning, but as you alluded to, it was you know a really unfortunate season um, for him. So. Uh, I think it's a good pick as well. He's definitely got the raw power. That was also, I think, the only year that in the last three that he wasn't allowed to take his Adderall medication. There was a a rules issue that year, and now it's allowed again. Or he has a he has a waiver for it. That he's allowed to take it. So, wondering if that had something to maybe do with it that year too. So, um, all right, moving moving on. Next thing we're going to talk about here is three outfielders that we do like. Compared to their ADP, um, Stein, why don't you give us your first three guys? Uh, my first guy that, that I went with here, a uh, former big name, but I think you might be able to get some value on this year. I went with Matt Kemp. Um, he's currently going anywhere, somewhere in the late 20s, 30th outfielder off the board. And I think Kemp still has a little bit left to offer. Um, wasn't the best year for him last year moving to San Diego. Obviously, the ballpark change isn't exactly ideal where he moved to. But I still think Kemp can be uh, can be a pretty productive player. And I think the, the second year in Petco might prove to be a little better than the first year. Um, the, the decent power numbers are still there. He had 23 bombs last year, 100 RBIs. So, I mean, nothing wrong there. Stolen bases, he, he was in double digits again last year. Um, the average dipped a little bit, which was a little concerning. But I, I think the new scenery and just hitting in a new park, getting used to a new team, might might have led to that. Uh, I think we, we kind of forgot how good Kemp can be. So with him going in the late 20s, 30th outfielder off the board, I can see him definitely being a top 20 guy this year. And I think he can get some good value maybe when, maybe in the middle of your draft. 
Kyle, where do you stand on Kemp? Um, I wish I knew. Um, you know, there's that that hope that he can go back to what he was. Um, you know, just a couple years ago, he was he was a first round pick. He was someone that everyone was buzzing about. Um, and and I guess I guess the reason I don't I don't really know much about him or follow him hard is because of his contract in our league. You know, we talk about that sometimes. Um, with just forgetting about players because you just don't like the contract. So, uh, haven't followed too closely. Just know that he's not worth the contract he has in our league. So, um, in a regular league where you can get good value for him, um, where you're drafting every year, um, you know, he's someone that could definitely be interesting, um, this year. Yeah, I, I kind of have to compare him to, like we talked about with Evan Longoria in our league. He has such a bad contract. Uh, we kind of forgot about him, but he's still a good player. He puts up decent numbers, and we, we kind of just have written him off because we have to pay that big price tag to keep him in our league. So, But just in a redraft league and in, in your standard fantasy baseball, I mean, I, I still see some good value on a guy where people might think uh, he's declining, and he's still putting up solid numbers. So uh, I kind of like Kemp this year. Yeah, Kemp had a pretty nice season last year. Um I didn't even realize how good his numbers were, and he's only 31. The one concern I guess I would have about Matt Kemp, obviously the injury history, um, but at, like you said, Shane, at the value you're getting him, you know, I think it's worth a shot. And then the other issue is he's been known and think to be a little bit of a diva, and this team is probably going to be terrible this year. Probably a decent bet he gets moved during the season or at the trade deadline. Maybe that will help his numbers out. Um, not sure, but I think that's a nice pick because it's somebody that wasn't really even on my radar as being a potential value this year. Um, so I like that pick. All right, my second guy that I'm going to go with, uh, Ender Inciarte. Uh, I see some good value here. He, he moves over to Atlanta. Uh, he might be moving to a worse lineup in Atlanta, most likely, as he no longer has Pollock and Goldschmidt to protect him. But I think I might see some uptick in, in Inciarte's value this year, just from sheer volume. Uh, he's probably going to have that, that starting gig, and he's, he's going to be able to roll with it all season long. Um, just just the more, more volume in at-bats, plate appearances, everything, just getting up there. I think it's going to give uh, Inciarte a little uptick. I like what the guy does. I like the you get the stolen bases. Um, I don't know if the power is ever going to be great, but you get a guy that's going to hit 300 and has the possibility to steal 25, 30 bags. I kind of like uh, where that value is, especially for a guy. I think he's going about right around like the 50th outfielder taken, somewhere around there right now. So I kind of like Inciarte's value this year. I like what you said about Inciarte and how late he's going in drafts. Um, the one thing that's nice about him, like you said, the steals. Um, you know, when you get to those late rounds, you're looking for guys that can fill up. Definitely be a plus in one category, but if you can get one that's a plus in two or three, that's a bonus. So looks like batting average. Um, steals, and then hopefully you would think runs 
hitting at the top of the lineup would be the three categories he can help you in. So I like that call too, James. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll just echo that. I think uh, I definitely think there's great value there. Um, like Shane said, going in close to 50th, uh, I think that that's some tremendous value for him. All right, my last guy that I went with, uh, I'm not really sure about this one, but I threw it in as a flyer. Uh, kind of just have a good feel. I'm going to go with Michael, <coughs> Michael Conforto for the Mets. Um, we didn't get to see a whole lot of him last year. Just came up come up late last season. Uh, I just think the guy can hit. And I think we could be seeing a, a pretty special bat. He just seems like he gets it. He just seems like one of those guys that was kind of put on the planet to hit baseball. So I feel like uh, the best of what we're going to see from Conforto is, is definitely yet to come. I mean, young guy, uh, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I think we could see 25, 30 home runs and uh, close to a 300 hitter. So taking a little bit of flyer. He's still young. We haven't seen too much, but I, I think I think he has the potential to be a, be a star. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit uh, in a previous podcast about the Mets and their lineup. Um, that would be my only concern. Is that um, you know he's not going to see the pitches that uh, some of these other guys are going to see in great lineups. Um, so other than that, I mean the kid's got all the talent in the world. Uh, as you alluded to, I definitely think he's uh, you know anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five homers. So he'll be exciting to watch for sure. All right, so I'm just looking at the the Mets um, depth chart here. My one concern is playing time for him. Um, they go out and sign Cespedes to the big contract. Obviously, he's a big part of their plans. Um, Granderson, been there a real long time, uh, or been there a couple of years now, but he's a veteran. He had a real nice year last year, so I like Granderson a lot. Um, my concern is that Cespedes can't handle center field, and then if they have to play Lagares. Where does Conforto fit in on the corners with Cespedes and Granderson? Um, so the only thing I think that really hinges on Conforto having that season that you talked about is the fact that um, Cespedes is currently playing center field, and he's never really shown in his career that he's capable of doing that. The other thing would be, does Conforto sit against left-handed pitching? Um, with the fact that Cespedes is right-handed, Lagares, one of the top defensive center fielders, um, is right-handed as well. Maybe Lagares and Conforto have a platoon against lefties. Um, I know I think that they talked about it a little, maybe a week ago. Terry Collins said he's going to have to play Conforto against lefties sometimes because he profiles as their future number three hitter for the next ten years. Um, so that that would be my only concerns about Conforto, playing time and left-handers. So. Yeah, it's kind of like for me is – when are they going to just let the kid shine? When, yeah. are, when are they going to say, you know what, it's your time. We're going to we're going to let you go out and do your thing. Because um, last year they, they kind of shielded him a little bit. Um, everyone was kind of ready for him to come up, even though he, he was only he hasn't been in the system too long. But everyone just kind of sees it coming. Um, when when are they just going to give him the the keys of the car and let him drive? So I think when they do, hopefully it's this year for guys that are going to go out and take Conforto, but. Uh, I'm willing to bet that even if they don't give him full time, he's still going to be a pretty good value this year. Yeah, 
No, I, where he's going in drafts, even if he gets 450 at-bats instead of the full 550, 600, I think he's still going to produce. So um, another one, I, I do like that call too. Just have a little bit of concern there. So, and Kyle, who are your three guys? Yeah, so you'll see with my guys a, a common theme here. Uh, we'll see if you can pick it out. Uh, the first guy is Carlos Gonzalez. Um, he's going anywhere from you know, 15th to 20th in drafts. Uh, a guy that I traded last year, um, I actually almost paid a guy to take him off my hands uh, because of his contract in our league was more than I wanted to do. Uh, and I would have been slotted on to have him for another year. But uh, his numbers, I mean, every time I look at him from last year, they just pop out at me. I mean, did you realize he hit 40 home runs last year? I mean, I didn't until uh, he went on that tear, obviously. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a year that, uh, you know, I heard Walt Weiss saying, you know, he's finally healthy. Uh, and he said that confidently. Um, so, you know what he does when he's healthy. Matches baseballs. I mean, I don't know anyone that hits it harder than he does. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see if, if he is healthy, you know, what he can do. And, you know, maybe they let him loose a little bit on the bags again. Uh, I know that might be a stretch, but the power is going to be there. The ballpark's great. So uh, we'll see. I'm glad you made the comment about did you know he hit 40 home runs because it was sometime in, I think, late August when I texted you, Shane, and I was like, Carlos Gonzalez has 37 home runs or something. When did that happen? Um, so, yeah, I missed it too. But he just had a torrid second half. Um, and I still like Colorado's lineup, even though they get rid of Dickerson and Tulo. Um, so, yeah, I think Cargo, I don't know if he finishes higher than 15th, um, but I think he's a safe bet for a top 20 outfielder. Yeah, this is one of the guys that just continues to just, I feel like, make us look foolish. Uh, I know, I feel like we both had the opportunity to get him from you last year, Kyle, and we both passed it up. I mean, I, I think I remember you asking Juan Gonzalez, and I just flat out said no. And looking back on it, I, I remember having that conversation with you. It was like, this guy's hitting a home run every day, and we could have had him for a pretty cheap price, and it was really disappointing uh I think we just forget about how good he is for some reason. Uh, such a talented player. I'm trying to think of like a comp for him. I mean, I kind of want to, I don't know if this is accurate or not, how you guys feel, but maybe like a, a Josh Hamilton. Like we, we just kind of forget how good they are when they are healthy. And I don't know. Uh, just with the talent alone, Gonzalez stands out and could easily see him being a top five guy if he puts it all together. Yeah, no, he's really good. That wasn't a good call. I mean, you know how I feel about Rockies players, so we'll see. Who else you got, Kyle? Um, sticking with the common theme here, which is Cargos, I'm going to go with Carlos Gomez. Um, I know you're going to point out that he's on my roster, and so what if I'm rooting for him? Uh, you know, last year, pretty bad numbers. Uh, you know, 12 bombs, only 17 bags, and batted like 250 or so. So... Uh, you know, him going anywhere from the 20 to 25th in drafts has me excited if I'm in, a, you know, a yearly league where I'm drafting. Uh, I think he's I think he's a safe bet for 2020 again. Um, he's got that speed-power combo that you're looking for in the outfield. Uh, and 
think he puts it together. Yeah, I think my feelings on Gomez might be lower than they should be based on, on the big guy sitting next to me, uh, just in my ear all the time about how he's down on Gomez. And when I look back on his numbers this past week as I've been doing my research, um, this guy was just outstanding before last season. And I think it might have had to do with just he wasn't fully healthy. And if he can get back to playing a full season and being healthy the whole year, I mean, you're looking at 2014, 23 homers, 34 steals. 2013, 24 homers, 40 steals. The year before that, or his three-year average, 20 homers, 30 steals. That's with the bad season mixed in last year. I mean, if the guy's healthy and he's going to play all the time, wow, I mean – definitely going to be a top 10 guy if he can if he can stay healthy. Yeah, so there's some guys that you just can't like. <laughs> and he's one of them for me, you know. Some people have that feeling towards like a Jonathan Papelon. He's that same type of personality. Um, so I think that probably jades my feelings on him, which um, is wrong on my part. I should just look at the numbers for what they are and appreciate them and say that, yeah, he's a good bet to be in the top 20 this year. And I don't think he's um, being treated as such right now. So I like Gomez too, I guess. Um, I just don't think he gets back to the days where he was a first-round, second-round guy. Um, but 20 homers, 20 steals, definitely a possibility. Let me just throw this out here, not to drag this, this podcast on, but I think this is a good spot to maybe jump on you a little bit and ask you a question. I don't know, looking back on it, that you've ever met an NL Central player not on the Cardinals that you love. And I feel – and, and I, I kind of look at you as a guy that – you really aren't a guy that takes those things into consideration. You're, you look at your players for what they're worth, and they're just chess pieces for you. But I feel like you, if they're not on the Cardinals and they're they're in the NL Central, you kind of you kind of like to dog those players, and maybe that's what what gets in the way here for for a guy like Carlos Gomez. That's not true. Okay, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> There's guys that piss me off when I'm watching Cardinals games. You know, I have no problem with Andrew McCutcheon. I have no problem with Chris Bryant. I, I drafted Chris Bryant pretty early on that bleep team that we had last year. Um, but Carlos Gomez, Brandon Phillips, Johnny Cueto from before. Yeah, those guys, they have, they did some things that I was not a fan of when I was watching them play against the Cardinals. And they're guys that like to chirp for no reason at all. So, um, you know, sometimes I guess in their minds to be the best, you got to beat the best. And they feel like they got to puff their chest out. But, um, yeah, I probably like him more now that he's in Houston than I did in Milwaukee. So there's there's some truth to that, but you it's not just because you wear another uniform in that division. It's because of what you do um, when you're playing the Cardinals for some reason. The other guy, who's the other guy? Um, Tony Plush, what was his name? Niger Morgan. Niger yeah, Morgan. that dude was ridiculous. Yeah, so guys like that, there's no place for them um, in what is the sacred National League Central. <laughs> Sorry, get you on record there, seeing if there was something to that. All right, what else you got for us, Kyle? All right, last guy I got, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, 
receiver cosmics of him uh, going off of how much we've spent on him in the past. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy that I think, you know, in, in Yankee Stadium, that power is going to come back a little bit. I mean, he only hit seven bombs last year. Um, obviously, he missed games. Uh, but he, he's another one of those guys I think is going to be that power-speed combo that is so sought after in leagues. Um, and I'm predicting 15 homers, close to 30 stolen bags. Um, and again, he's, he's a guy that you know we're seeing go 25th, 30th in there. Um, I could see him jumping up in that next tier outfielders. I'm, I'm out on Ellsbury now. Um, you know, Shane, you and I had a conversation last year about when do base stealers stop stealing bases. And you kind of said age 30 is when they really start to slow down. And I think it's because you and I were talking about the trade value of D. Gordon when I was trying to move him to you, I think. And I ended up finding, I think, a Fangraphs article that pretty much backed up everything you were telling me tenfold. And it was pretty clear. And this guy's 32. And in his 30-year-old season, he stole 39 bags. And in his 31-year-old season, he stole 21. And the thing that's concerning for me about Ellsbury more than anything is he used to be a guy that every time he ran, he was pretty much safe. It wasn't just the fact that he did it all the time. There's guys like... Hamilton and Gordon that get caught a lot, but they run so much it doesn't matter. Um, in 2013, Ellsbury, 52 steals. He only got caught four times. Um, last year, 21 steals. He got caught nine times. So I think the running slows down in a big way for him um, if it hasn't already. I'm kind of in the middle here on Ellsbury. I, I think that he, he's ranked right about where he needs to be. Um, just like kind of everything you just said, the thing that made Ellsbury so special was just that elite stolen base. Being able to put up 40, 50 steals in a season is something not a lot of guys can do. And, and once you get to a certain threshold with that with that age, the body just slows down a little bit. You break down a little bit more easily. And I don't think we ever see him return to anywhere near those 40 steals. I, I think... 20, 20 is a ceiling, I kind of think, for him in his case. Um, I can see the power numbers go up a little bit. Seven seems a little low. I could, I could see him getting somewhere between 10 and 15, um, which still makes Ellsbury really good value. Um, I, I think he can put up some good numbers. And I, I think right around, I think he's right around the 25th being taken, somewhere around there. I, I think that's just about right for Ellsbury. All right, so let's move on. Unless you want to defend Ellsbury anymore, Kyle. No, we'll see when he uh, when he finishes higher than that. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so my three guys I like. Um, first one, Shane. This one's for you, Jason Hayward. Um, you had said I don't like players in the National League Central that aren't Cardinals, and this guy just spurned the Cardinals for the Cubs, which should definitely have stung for me a little more than maybe it does. He's not a real exciting fantasy option. His name probably goes for more than the production. Um, but he's a guy that I fell in love with last year as the Cardinals, and yeah, it did hurt when he left because I really liked watching him play every day in that lineup and the things that he did. Uh, I think he has the ability to score a ton of runs in Chicago this year. And I've talked about on past podcasts how I feel like runs is one of the more underrated fantasy stats to look at when you're evaluating players. 
Um, I think he will continue to run uh, because I think that the Cubs will just they play a fun brand of baseball. And I think that the ballpark move helps him offensively, and maybe he gets back to that 20 home run threshold that he hasn't been at in a little while. So I like Hayward this year. I think he has the potential to be a top 15 outfielder based on all around just filling up a bunch of categories. Yeah, I'm in on Hayward this year. Uh, this is a guy that I feel like he's just a really good player. He's, he's really just really good at it, a lot of different things. Um, he can kind of help you out in a variety of ways. He can hit for a decent average. He can he can hit for a little bit of power. He can steal bases. Uh, he scores runs. He, he just fills up every category uh, nicely. I mean, he doesn't do anything spectacular, but he fills up a little bit of everything. So for me, he's just a guy that you can kind of depend on to, to be a cornerstone in your outfield as far as you know you're going to get something from the guy every week. So I think this being, I think, his age 26 season, I feel like this could be a breakout for him. Um, he's been really good so far. He hasn't been great, but he's been really good. And that mid-20s, 25, 26, seems to be when, when some guys take that jump. I mean, he was a big name coming out of the minor leagues, a lot of expectations. Um, they never really materialized to him being a superstar. But – I think with the moving to a good lineup, moving to a good ballpark, I think this could be the year for Hayward. I, th- I really do. I think I could see him even even trying to knock down the top ten status. Uh, I'm not looking to beat a dead horse, but um, you know, obviously moving to Chicago is going to really help him. Uh, excited to see what he's going to do in that lineup. Um, and, and you guys both spoke to the fact that he can help you out in a lot of different ways. Not sold on him getting back to the power. Um, I mean, I can't figure out why it's low, but uh, for some reason, he's just not hitting the homers the way we expect him to with such a big frame. All right, next guy that I like is Gerardo Parra. Um, Kyle, I traded for him from you this offseason. I like Parra a lot. He was underrated last year, I think. No one really realized how nice of a season he had. He gets traded to Baltimore midseason. 14 homers, uh, 14 steals. Scores 83 runs. It was his best season of his career. Hits 291 um, with a 452 slug. So, 36 doubles. Um, you know, the nice thing about Parra moving to Colorado is. Obviously, that helps the offensive numbers for him, but also his defense is so good that he's going to probably, I think, there's no risk for him not playing every day there. Um, They move Dickerson and really frees up a spot for him. Then he gets a decent contract from Colorado in the offseason, and he's kind of been the guy that I'm just gambling on this year to majorly exceed his draft expectations. So I like Parra. I'm not going to go ahead and say that I like Parra to be a top 15, top 20 guy, but I don't see a reason that he's not going to beat his value of where he's being drafted at right now. Um, Pretty consistent guy, and if he can get the playing time, which we think he will and he should in Colorado, that ballpark move should definitely help him. Um, Obviously, last year was was a career year for Parra, his best year that he's put up so far, 
but with the move to Colorado, I don't see a reason that he can't put up similar numbers to what he did last year. And if you can get anywhere near a 290-15-15 guy, I, th- I think you're going to take it, especially for a guy that's going off right around the 40th outfielder, somewhere around there right now. So good value from Parr this year. Um, I mean, he's, obviously, he's a guy that I dealt to you, um, Matt, and so uh, obviously I didn't feel like he was good enough to be one of my keepers. But uh, I see the value there. I see why you're interested. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to pull up here his a, his average home run distance, and I'm not finding it. Um, I guess it's a little hard to find, but he doesn't. He's not a guy that really crushes the ball. So um, I don't know. I, I could see that. Obviously, in that ballpark, helping him some for that reason. Um, you know, in that ballpark, it's going to go a little bit further for him. He hits for a good average. Um, so, as Shane said, I think he's going to be about what he what he's worth uh, draft-wise. Uh, I don't see him being that gold mine that you're looking for, though. Just just to touch on that, how much of the being all in on par this year, you usually like to go out and get someone that you, you're taking a risk on that you, you think is going to be okay, but you're taking that risk that they maybe take that next step was the move to Colorado what did it for you? Yeah, the well, the move to Colorado, but I think it was the contract that he got that was really what sold me on him. Um, I don't have the contract in front of me. I want to say it was like four years, $28 million. Um, but it was substantial enough of an investment that I felt like they really saw something in him. And when they already had... Dickerson, Blackman, and Cargo, to me, that triggered that one of them was going to move, and it happened. So, I'm not saying that I'm expecting a 25-25 season, so I don't necessarily think I'm looking for a gold mine, as Kyle referred to it as, but um, I think a 2020 season may be in reach. It, I can't find the, a- the average home run distance either, Kyle, but he had a 161 ISO last year, so it's about league average. Um, maybe he gets to above league average moving to Colorado. So, All right, my final guy, um, Will Myers. So we talked about guys that have been highly touted prospects and we're maybe looking for a bounce back from them. Will Myers has still has outfield eligibility, but he'll probably play first base. Um all season for the Padres because of the fact that he's not a very good um, defensive outfielder and they already ran into problems last year trying to play him in center field and they ended up feeling like first base was the best move for him. He came out and said that he wants to be a 2020 player. Um, He's never really been a guy that you considered a 2020 threat, Um, but the last couple years I've kind of monitored guys that come out and make it well known that they want to do something, especially when it comes to steals, because that's the one position where you kind of have to decide if you're going to be a guy that runs or not. Um, So last year, a guy that came out and said that he was going to run was Manny Machado, and you saw the steal numbers that he put up last year, and that kind of didn't profile anything that he's done in the past in his career. So Myers is kind of a guy that I'm getting behind. I don't expect him to have the season Machado had last year, but I think for where Myers is going in drafts, um, which is like 212 overall, 
Um, I kind of like the value here with a guy that's I think been kind of forgotten about. Yeah, pretty big name a couple of years ago. I mean, uh, pretty highly touted and hasn't really materialized yet. But when he has played and he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. Um, I could see him definitely being a value guy this year. I don't know that I'm going to go all in on Myers. It's tough for me to go all in on San Diego guys. But I can see some value from Myers. I could definitely see, uh, I'm thinking more 15-15 than 20-20, than but something solid. Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to be scared away uh, because of the ballpark, because of the injuries. And because of that, I think the value is going to be there. Um, you know, when, when he does play, he's good. Uh, so I definitely, I think that's a good call, Matt, that uh, uh, he's going to be a good value. And it goes back to what I kind of said, too, about runs. I mean, this guy was leading off in San Diego in the beginning of the year, and he had 40 runs in 60 games, just a ridiculous pace. Um, so he was putting up pretty nice numbers um, before he got hurt. And, you know, Kyle, you said people might be scared off about the park. If you look at the park factors, that actually played as a hitter's park last year, um, which was kind of interesting. It hadn't done that in the past, so... I think that that is that's a team that you can find some value in this year because it does have the um, the reputation of being a hitter's park and I don't think or a pitcher's park and I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. All right, three guys we don't like. Uh, Shane, why don't you go ahead and start us off here? All right, I'm gonna go ahead and here uh, bash Kyle. In my dislike. Uh, my first one, I'm going to go with Andrew McCutcheon. Um, this hurts for me because I'm, I'm actually a big McCutcheon fan, but right now he, he's going off as the fourth outfielder off the board right around there for, for most drafts. And for me, I, I just think he might be slowing down. Um, it's disappointing, but I, I think he might be slowing down a little bit. I still think Kutch is really good, and he's a really solid fantasy play. Don't get me wrong. He's still not that old. He's only 29 right now. But I just think as number four, I think I could see him more closer to seven, eight, somewhere in there. So it's not a huge gap. It's not like I'm saying Andrew McCutcheon's done. This was just a reach, and uh, anytime I can poke a little fun at Kyle, I'll take advantage of it. <clears throat> the the McCutcheon's about as safe as it gets in the, when it comes to the back end of the first round. So, yeah, he may not be the fourth best outfielder, but like you said, I think he's a pretty good bet to be in the top 10. The thing that I, you know, we get back to he's 29, a person at the age of 30. The steals are obviously going down, um, but the hard hit contact isn't. He, he's a good bet to square the ball up as well as anybody in the league. So his hitting skills, I think, will continue to prolong his career and, and his production um, to help make up for the steals. And maybe he ends up being more like a second-round pick, but I think, like you, like I said, the safety's there with him. Yeah, I just, I just feel like it's, it's a big name. You can't really get much of a bigger name than Andrew McCutcheon, and you're gonna have to overpay for him. I just don't know that, as far as value goes, you're gonna get the value out of him that, that you are expecting to get with how high you're gonna have to draft him. Yeah, um, I honestly, Shane, I can't argue with that. Uh, I think, you know, his name and all that is, is gonna have him getting drafted really high, like we are seeing, um, and there's always that chance that he might fall 
you're gonna take a gamble and, and get on somebody that might have uh, might not be worth his draft position. You know, McCutcheon's he's probably a good guess. Uh, however, um, you know, in our league, obviously, I think his value is, is really good still. So that's why I'm keeping him. Um, and uh, as as Matt said, I think he's safe. Uh, generally, a slow starter, so uh, we can't get too excited about how he's going to be starting. But uh, I do want to point out he hit a home run today in spring. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I, I think you're fine with cut, Kyle. I, I'm just looking for guys that, that might not meet their expectations. So Yeah, I think you might have a, a good one there. My next guy that I'm going with, uh, Lorenzo Cain. Uh, huge season for the Royals last year. Uh, shot up a lot of, a lot of draft boards. Currently going right around 15, 16. Um, I just don't know that he can be as good as he was last year. Um, he's a guy that I traded before the season last year for, for a bag of baseballs. Um, I, w- I wasn't, wasn't really sold on Kane to be as good as he was the year before, and then he goes up and puts up a 16 homer, 28 steals, hits 300. Um, kind of makes me look really dumb. I just don't see him being able to match that season that he had from a year ago. Um, I like the fact that he hits in the middle of a pretty good order. Um, that's all, definitely a plus for him. But I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I think the steals are there. I just don't think he's going to hit 300 with, with 16 home runs again. So I think I could I see him falling somewhere in the 20s as, that, as far as outfield goes. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you're kind of picking guys at the top here. And I always think it's harder for guys at the top to meet their draft day expectations. But same thing, I think, with McCutcheon. Kane's kind of safe. Um, I don't think that he's a player that's going to completely bottom out and ruin your season. Um, so if you get Kane fourth round, you know, maybe you're happy with that and you know, you're know you pretty confident in the production you're going to get. And I think you won't be very disappointed by him when it comes to the end of draft day. Last guy here that I'm going to go with is none other than your stalwart, Kyle. Bryce Harper is a guy that I don't think is going to meet his expectations. Currently going either number one or number two overall. And I'm a little concerned. I know it's easy to say that because I traded him to you last year. Um, So it's easy for me to say I'm down on him. But... As a guy that's going to be going as the number one or number two pick overall, I find it hard to believe that Harper's going to meet that value this year. Obviously, he had the big year last year. He hit 330. Uh, the power finally finally shows up, everything that everyone's been waiting for. But I find it hard to believe that a guy just jumps from 270 hitter to 330 in one year, and it's going to stick. Um I don't think that the average for Harper sticks anywhere close to where it was last year. I think he comes back down to earth, maybe falls into a 280 hitter, somewhere around there, 280, 290 maybe. Um, I think the power is obviously real. He's definitely going to put up some power numbers. But if you're going to have to take him number one overall, I don't think that you're going to get that value. I don't think he's going to be the best player in in baseball fantasy-wise. So, I don't even know how to respond to that. 
weeks for his pitches, and then he hits it hard. So, um, I, I think the average is fine. He's finally facing people his age. Um, that's something that he hadn't been doing for a long time. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's everything he's been advertised to be, and I'm excited to see him continue that. I'm going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, I can't get behind that either, Shane, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, I know the batting average. It's weird that he just suddenly hit three thirty last year. But this guy, to me, is just totally embracing the fact that he's the best player in baseball. He's a tireless worker along the lines of like an Alex Rodriguez, very prideful guy. Um, I just don't see it. I just think it's going to keep going up from here. He's a generational talent. Um and I'm excited about watching Harper for the next couple of years. Does it concern you guys at all that I don't think he's ever going to run? No. Do you, guys, do you guys feel like he's ever going to bring the speed aspect in, into this at all? Because I feel like that's one area where I, I felt like we were going to get more from him, and we haven't really seen it yet. Doesn't concern me. Barry Bonds wasn't a big runner in his – I mean, early in his career he was, but – you know, I just feel like he has that type of power. This looks like something we might have to put a little little side bet on after the show here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to talk about the running, um, I, I mean, I think his manager last year was a little more conservative than his manager this year. Uh, you know, Dusty likes to run. So um, I think we're going to see him open up a little bit, get the green light from time to time. So I'm going to see. I'm gonna say the, the stolen bases go up this year. You love that he's playing for Dusty Baker now. That's your dude. I love Dusty. <laughs> he's a clown. Whatever. <laughs> All right, Kyle. I just love that he wears uh, sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, who's your guys that you don't like? Uh, Shane, right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, let's start with, uh, since I'm usually a homer, let's start with the red. Billy Hamilton. Um. He's a guy that, Matt, you traded to me, um, and then I immediately traded him away. So uh, I imagine you're feeling similarly that uh, he's just not very good at baseball. Uh, He's super fast, but that's about where it stops with him. Uh, I hate one-trick ponies. Um, I mean, he's really good at stealing bases, uh, but that's about it, and, you know, Average draft position, um, what is he, 30th to 35th outfielder? Um, I'm not going to pay that for a guy that just steals bases. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that he's just not going to play um, because, like you said, he's not very good. Um, I think his value on this team is a late-inning pinch runner, unfortunately. Uh, the one thing I will say to counter that point, though, is the Reds have nothing to play for really. Um, so if they want to see what they have in Hamilton, I think it behooves them to give them, give him as many at-bats as they can this year and see if if there really is anything there. I just don't think there is, and I think they're going to find that out. And um, I could really see his spotlight in baseball being over in the next couple of years and just being more of a fourth outfielder that plays once or twice a week and um, finds himself running for someone in the eighth inning and trying to generate a run here. Yeah, in the same ways that we, we talked about Evan Longoria and Matt Kemp being guys that we kind of wrote off because they're 
contract was so bad in our league. I feel like this is a guy we kind of boosted up because his contract was so good, and it never materialized. Uh, I'm, I'm right with you guys. He's just not good enough at the skills required to play baseball uh, to be much of a, a fantasy guy for me. I mean, the only thing that he's really good at is just stealing bases. So if you can't get on base and you can't hit, I mean, you just can't really do much for me. I think he has some value in roto leagues, um, but in our head-to-head categories, um, it's almost overkill because, yeah, you're going to win steals more weeks than not with him, but he's going to hurt you in so many other things. So I think his value's in roto, but not in our in our format that we play. Yeah, that's a great point. So my uh, my next guy is Yasiel Puig, uh, a guy that I've dealt in our league as well. Um, he's just a head case. I don't like that. Um, you know, a guy that plays really hard, does a lot of stupid things within the game, outside of the game. Um, and he's just too reckless for me. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not excited to, to draft him by any means, you know, going, you know, 25th or so in drafts as far as outfielders. Um, not a guy I'm looking to draft. I'm, I'm kind of on the other side here. This is the last year I'm giving Puig a chance just to see what he has. And the reason that I'm willing to take a shot on him this year compared to years in the past is, I think I mentioned this before, I didn't really have a lot of respect for Don Mattingly as a manager, and I feel like the things that went on in the Dodgers clubhouse were um, pretty much related to the fact that he didn't have much control over that team, and you go from someone like Mattingly to someone that I have a lot of respect for in Dave Roberts and the way he played the game, and I'm going to give Puig one more shot because I think Roberts may be able to get through to him and hopefully turn him around, so... Um, I'm going to give the raw talent on Puig the benefit of the doubt for this year, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I feel like at the price that you're going to get him at this year, it's worth taking a shot. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I mean, obviously a very talented player. I've never been high on the guy. I, I don't really don't really like the guy as a player. I mean, but obviously there, there's talent there, and you, you got to take a look at him. I don't know. He, he just seems really immature for me, just like you're saying, Kyle. And I feel like he's, he's the kind of guy that's more looking for a payday than he's looking for being a great great Major League Baseball player, which I think he could be if he ever puts it all together. I will say that if he doesn't do it this year, I don't think he ever will. So if he's going to do it, this year is going to be the year. But if he doesn't, I don't know that he's ever going to live up to any of the expectations I think people had a couple years ago. brings me to my last guy, um, Shane, I'm sorry, uh, another Dodger outfielder here, Jock Peterson. Um, so with Jock, I mean, you know, great first half last year, and then what happened? Um, I just think, you know, people started to figure him out, uh, you know, they got more film on him, saw what he did, and he struggled. So I think, you know, young players that have a lot of upside like himself are guys that get drafted a little bit earlier uh, than they should. And so he's not a guy I'm looking to, to pay to get. Uh, doesn't really run great. Uh, batted 210 last year. So uh, a guy I want to stay away from. 
want to jump in before I defend myself? <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm leaning more towards Kyle. Um, he's a guy that in my first couple mock drafts that I did this season, I grabbed him in like the 18th or 19th round, which I think is a chance. That's a spot where I'd be willing to still take a shot on the fact that maybe he is a guy that can hit 30 homers and maybe run a little more. But something I think is just off with his swing and his game, and I just don't, I, I don't know if he's going to end up being the player that we thought he was, um, which I thought he was going to be a guy that maybe, like I. I thought that maybe he would be a second or third round pick this year at one point last year, and now I'm not sure. I think if you have the right expectations for Peterson, you won't be disappointed. Um, but I think, Shane, I think your expectations are much higher than what he's actually going to be. Well, here's the thing. Um, I don't think that you guys are really questioning my decision to keep Peterson in our league as far as he's a $2 player. So obviously, I mean, I find it hard not to keep a guy with that kind of potential. I feel like if he's on both of your squads, you're probably looking to keep a guy like this as well. Yes, um, absolutely. So I mean, just based on sheer potential in our league, he, his value is, is, is pretty high. I think the, the, the fact that you said that he doesn't run very well, Kyle, I think that might be the thing that actually ends up making him be more valuable than, than you guys realize. He did run a little bit in the minors. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's a pretty good stolen base guy in the minors, and that's something that he hasn't shown yet. Um, it's something that I'm certainly looking forward to and hoping that he does. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping with the managerial change in Los Angeles, that's something that, that becomes part of his game this year. Obviously, the concerns are there. The guy strikes out a lot. He strikes out, he walks, or he hits a home run. That's pretty much what you're going to get. Um, if he can just tone that down a little bit, I think that we could we could see a pretty uh, pretty productive player. I don't think he's ever going to be the star that I feel like you guys are thinking that I think he's going to be, but I, I definitely see good value for for where Peterson's going in drafts this year. Um, especially you said you got him in the 18th, 19th round for a guy that has the potential to hit 30 home runs and steal 10, 15 bags, maybe even better. That's pretty great value. Just just the home runs alone in that that late in the draft is pretty good value. So. I'm still in on Peterson. He's only 23 years old. He's a young kid. I mean, he's only played one season. Uh, I'm not ready to write him off yet. No, I'm not writing him off, and I agree he's worth a flyer this year, but I just, I've tempered my expectations because I thought he was going to be an absolute star as recently as the All-Star break last year, so. Yeah, I think, uh, I hate to say I told you so, but when it comes to you, Shane, I like saying it. Um, You should have traded him when I told you to. No, I, I definitely have, have uh, had some regrets in the past season. I know you remember. I remember you telling me, actually, you wanted to trade for him right around the All Star break last year, and and I didn't do it. Um, I probably should have at his peak value, but I still think there, there's more to come from this guy. I I don't know if it's ever going to materialize into first, second round value, but I, I definitely think there's good value, especially in our league at the price tag. Yeah, the comp you're hoping for is Adam Dunn. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, then there's value there. Um, but I think as much as there's Adam Dunn value, there's also Richie Sexton value here. So um, we'll see. 
All right, my guys I don't like, and I'm going to try and be quick here because we are I – th- I knew this would be a longer podcast doing outfielders with the deep position pool, but I'm going to try and speed this up here. So three I don't like. Ryan Braun's my first one. Um, something's fishy with him. He's not talking to reporters. He, he's injured the last couple years, and obviously we know about the steroid past. Um, and I'm not sure how much he fits into Milwaukee's plans because – they are a team that's, um, I think, trying to develop some young talent here and play for the next couple of years. Um, I feel like we are maybe two years away from seeing Ryan Braun out of baseball completely. Um, so that's how I feel about Braun. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Braun's a tough case for me. Uh, I don't know. I was down on him last year. He comes out and puts up a big season. So obviously a very talented player. Just like we talked about, I, I think the steals come down a little bit. Um, and I think the, the power stays right where it's at, right in the mid-20 range. Um, I think the steals come down a little bit. So. Yeah, I, I agree with Shane. I think uh, I, I definitely see the, the steals coming down, power staying about the same. So uh, depending on where you can get him, you know, obviously he's a guy that you'd want if you get him for the right price. All right, next guy that I'm concerned about for this year is Giancarlo Stanton. If you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said that right behind Harper, Trout, and Goldschmidt, I'd be considering Donaldson and Stanton as the next best offensive option. Um, but today, or this week, it came out with a knee, another maybe lingering knee issue now. And I'm just starting to wonder, you know, whether it be the knee, the hamstring, the couple fluky broken hand, the getting hit in the face with a pitch. I'm just wondering if we're never going to realize the full potential that this player had. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe his size is a problem for him. Um, I just don't know if he's ever going to put it together. I I feel like we're going to get – we're going to miss out on what could have been another one of those generational talents because of injuries. Yeah, I, I definitely I see where you're going with this. Uh, right now, a third outfielder off the board. And I don't know. The injuries are a concern for me. Um, if I'm going to take someone with that high of a pick, I'm going to want someone that's going to be in there every day I can count on. And I, I'm not, I don't know if we have that with Stanton. Um, definitely, if he stays healthy and he plays the whole season, you could, you could win a fantasy league with a guy like this. He, he could be a guy that puts up 50 homers for you. So... There's definitely inherent risk there, but for me, uh, I, I can't see drafting Stanton that high in my drafts. I wouldn't be able, be able to take the risk. Yeah, I think you hit it, Shane. Um, when, when you're taking a high pick, you want someone that you can count on. And, you know, with this knee thing coming out, um, you know, I, I think I want to stay a little bit away. But if you see him start slipping in drafts, you got to take him because um, he, he is, like you said, that guy that can. Uh, completely change your lineup um, if he is healthy and he's crushing the ball as far as he does. Yeah, if he fell to the complete back end of round one, even if you know somehow he slipped into round two, I'd jump on him because <coughs> the reward is there. But um, I just feel like there's safer options in round one compared to where he's going now. Um, third guy I don't like, Byron Buxton. Um. Just a little concerned that he may be closer to Billy Hamilton than 
the Mike Trout comps that we had a couple years ago when he was in the minors. Another guy with injury past. Um, and I'm not even sure he's going to break spring with the big club. So I just feel like maybe speed is going to be the only thing that really plays for him moving forward. And I don't, I just, I'm, I have some concerns with him. And I think that for the prospect name, he's going to be one of the, one of, one of the reaches in drafts that I'm not willing to go for. Yeah, he's definitely a boomer bust candidate, and it's actually going to be a good segue into our, our next topic, I believe, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right, Josh, that, uh, you know, he, he brings that name, and he's going to be reached for, and um, I'll stay away because of that. All right, so last thing I want to do with the outfitters um, before we wrap up the podcast tonight, um, who is someone way outside the top two rounds that next year we could be talking about as a top two or three round player um, in the outfield? Well, I have two names written down. The first one, just like I just said, good segue. I think it could be Byron Buxton. Um, Just for everything you just said, uh, he could be really good and he could be really bad. So if he comes out and gets the playing time this year and, and produces like the prospect that everyone thought he was going to be, um, he could be a, a huge, huge jump up the ladder guy next year and, and fall into a second round kind of pick with the power speed that he that he has. Um, will he figure it out? I don't know. He's, he's certainly not going to be there right now. Um, but he's a guy that could, I could definitely see jumping up some boards next year if he puts it all together this year. Um, my other guy that I went with a little safer pick, I think, um, obviously wanted to get a homer pick in there, uh, Randall Grichuk. Um, I see this guy just getting better. Um, he's a guy that, that I think you can get some pretty good value if you, you draft him this year, and I, I think the, the power potential that he possesses um, could definitely shoot him up into that second round area next year. I don't know that he ever gets to first-round value. I, I don't think he'll ever be that high. But I, I could see the guy hitting 35 home runs this year. I, I don't think that's out of the out of the realm of possibility. So if he does something like that, I could see him jumping into second round next year. Yeah, I like Grichuk. Um, he's a guy I tried to get from you all offseason pretty much. Um, so we'll see. Uh, he's another guy that's kind of boomer bust, but I think that's what we're looking at here when we talk about players that could really elevate themselves into the top couple rounds of the draft for 2017. Um, And his power is real, and, you know, he's one of the trendy players right now because of the exit velocity stat that's really become relevant in baseball now. He's always at the top of the list. Um, So we'll see. Uh, I'm interested what he's going to do with 550 at-bats because he strikes out a ton, but the power is real, and... Uh, I think St. Louis is a really good place for him to maybe develop. So, um, you know, fun fact about him that I think a lot of people are starting to realize now is he was drafted one pick ahead of Mike Trout by the team that took Mike Trout. So they obviously saw something in him that they liked more than what they saw in Trout. So um, a lot of talent there. See what becomes of it. The one thing I will add about Richard here before we move on that I like about him is 
the guy rakes against left-handed pitching. So he's already figured out one half of the battle. It's the right-handed pitching that you have to worry about. So, I mean, if he can just get a little bit better against right-handed pitching, um, that, that's where all of his struggles are because anytime they face a lefty, I mean, this guy just rakes. So he has that aspect figured out. If he can just become a little little better, a little more consistent versus the right-handed pitching, which you're going to see more of. So obviously that's the concern. But if he can figure that out even a little bit, I mean, I feel like this guy can, can definitely make a big jump. Kyle, what do you think about Kirchuk? Um, you know, I think with that last point Shane made, you know, he does really hit lefties well. So um, it's something you can be excited about. And, you know, hopefully he's taking time to put a lease on, on those right-handed pitchers and, um, you know, he hits the ball hard. So there's a chance he really can jump. Who's your guy you want to talk about for this slot? Yeah, so um, I went a little bit different direction. Uh, I know you said way out of the first two rounds. I, di- I didn't take a guy that's way out of the first two rounds. Um, but I took a guy that I'm going to go ahead and say is going to be a lock for a first-round pick next year, and that's George Springer. Um, you know, a guy that has the potential to, you know, go nuts in the homer department, hit 40 bombs maybe. Um stolen bases, he's fast, you know, he's hitting both those those areas that you want to see. His average last year was much higher than, you know, it has been. Uh, he batted 276, so um, if he can put all those things together, uh, which I think he can, he's going to be something really special to watch. Yeah, Springer's a guy I sometimes forget about, and I think it's because he missed so much time last year. But the talent's real, and yeah, he definitely profiles based on the categories he fills up as a player we're going to see in the first couple rounds um, probably for years to come so I think that's a nice call Kyle yeah he's right in that right in that age development where this could be the time where he really shines so um, I definitely think Springer's a guy if he can keep that average anywhere to where it was last year with with the other tools that he's going to bring I mean the average was the one concern with this guy was he going to be a 220 230 hitter which is going to hurt a little bit but if he can if he can get anywhere over 250, 260 area with uh, the, the power and speed we think we're going to get, I can definitely see this happening. Um, all right, so my, I have two guys as well, like Shane, and the first guy I want to talk about is Stephen Piscotty, um, another Cardinals player that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year with a full, full season of at-bats. Um, he really impressed me down the stretch and in the playoffs filling a major void in what was a pretty weak Cardinals offense last year compared to what I expected it to be. Um, The thing I like about Piscotty is just consistency, a lot of contact, and I think that he's a guy that we're going to see what we talked about before about the doubles power becoming home runs power. Um, I feel like he's the guy that Matt Holliday is going to pass the torch to as the consistent three-hitter that kind of um, is the stalwart of the Cardinals offense. So I like Piscotty a lot. And then the other guy that is kind of sneaky here, he's not doesn't have outfielder eligibility right now, but Miguel Sano, um, he should have outfielder eligibility a couple weeks into the season. He's going to probably play left field for the Twins. And when you talk about raw power, he's one of the top five in the game probably as far as raw power. So... He was really impressive last year in his first season, and I think it's only going to get better for him. He 
I mean, I think the ceiling for him is almost like the Miguel Cabrera type. He's going to strike out a lot more than that, but just the power to all fields and the body that he has, um, I think he can profile to be that type of hitter. Yeah, these are two in interesting choices for me. Uh, Piscotty, pretty decent name coming out of the prospect rankings, um, and we haven't really seen a whole lot from him so far, but I feel like he's just going to be a really good player. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a star, but he's going to be really, really good, I feel like. I think the Holiday comparison, I think Holiday's numbers were, are going to be a little bit better than where Piscotty reaches as far as power. Carter's just throwing out big-time numbers, but... I feel like Piscotty's going to be just a really, really good player. Um, so knows that kind of guy that, that could put up the huge the huge power numbers, uh, just like you spoke about. So we'll see. Uh, definitely two young guys. We'll see where they're going to head. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Piscotty because actually in that deal I was talking about earlier uh, where I traded away Carlos Gonzalez, I just threw in Piscotty as a, an extra piece just to make the deal. And now that's back and firing like crazy. Um, he, uh, I think he's going to be that guy that we're going to look at if he's going to be missing consistent. Um, I, I, I agree with Shane that I don't think he's going to be uh, superstar level, but he's going to be that consistent player that you're going to want on your team every year. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see him grow into that. Um, as far as to know, I mean, I, he was completely off my radar when we were talking about outfielders because, you know, Obviously, he doesn't have the eligibility left, so I think that's a really good point and great call because the guy crushes baseballs. So um, I think that's a really good fit. All right, so that wraps up outfielders. Um, again, one of the one of the larger position groups, other other than pitchers. So I know we spent a lot of time talking about it tonight, but there's a lot of players that are very interesting in this outfield pool for this year. And I think, like we pointed out, there's some value to be had. And there's some guys at the top that you can shy away from um, and maybe find some value at other positions when maybe that outfield run's going on with that group that we talked about that we don't really love as much. So um, as long as you guys don't have anything, we're going to wrap it up here. There's just one more that I wanted to touch on. Okay. That I thought someone might go to. Um, I had him as one of my three dislikes this year. One of the big signings of the offseason, a lot of clamoring, one of the big deals, Joannis Cespedes. Um, I think it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> we spoke about it a couple podcasts ago about the Mets, and I think this is just going to be a disaster. I, I, my, my brother's a big Mets fan. We like to talk Mets baseball when I, when I get a chance to talk to him. And he actually said, he's like, how long until after Cespedes retires will this guy be bankrupt? Um I just feel like he's a guy that's not going to be able to handle the, the money, the, the fame. Uh, you, you already see it with, with the purchases. Um, I just I just think it's going to be a disaster for Cespedes. Yeah, I feel like he's like a 275, 20 home run guy. Um, but, he, you know, the name, he's won two home run derbies, so that's, that gets people excited. And, you know, he's all flair. And, that you know, I think that that is what the Mets paid for more than what he actually does in the field. So... Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. He has a nice car collection. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Alright, so find us on Twitter, Red Triangle 23 um, SoundCloud, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. And like I said, um, 
probably early mid next week we'll have our draft recap from Sunday. I know it's going to be a fun probably eight hour day for us sitting in a room huddled with a bunch of other guys um, just talking baseball and it's my favorite day of the year and it's one that I've been waiting for all week. I feel like this week took forever to get to the weekend and you know here we are two days away and I'm really excited. I know you guys are too. So uh, thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.